but. You need to get the butts out is what you need. Because not only when he say he'll, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And that's where you want to put your He's doing it. Hallelujah. So that's the scripture he gave us last year. And it, you know, it did, did it spread forth? I mean, it was like in a few weeks, we just went from five, six people. Next thing you know, we're having to get you more chairs. Amen. All right? But now, now think about this. Most of you all didn't show up till what? September, October? Maybe October, November? It was toward the end of the year. So we had all them other months. We had eight, eight or nine months of same old, same though. All right? But see, we didn't lose faith. We didn't lose faith. People would ask me when the people come. I said, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. I've been saying that for years. They're coming. See, and you, you've, got to, you've got to do that too. You, when you're speaking something that you're believing God for, you've got to speak like you have it. You have to speak like you have it. All right, so that's 2023. Let's look at 2024. I'll talk a little bit about that and we go into the message. Got the new one up there? Here it is. There we go. Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole earth, throughout the whole world. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 2024, the Lord spoke to me about this coming up year. He said, you tell the people, their faith is going to be spoken of throughout the world. The earth. All right? You say, well, man, I don't have very much faith. Well, you may not have a lot of faith right now, but you, it's going to increase to the point it's going to be spoken of. People are going to say, what is it about you all at Church of the Living Word in Boonville? That seems God's moving there. God's doing things there. What is, your, what is that? That's your faith being spoken of. Amen. All right? 2024 will be a year of more. More faith. More increase. More restoration. God will restore those things that the enemy has, has taken from you in the past and will not only restore it, but will increase it to what you think you lost. So see, you've got to get that thinking out of your head. What you think you lost, you didn't you lose it. God's a restorer. Now, how are you going to receive it? You've got to quit thinking that you lost it. No, no, no. This is your year. It's a year of restoration. It's a year of increase. It's a year of more. More. Your faith will be spoken of. Things that you'll say, that you'll, say, that you'll declare, you'll see it come to pass. And in years gone by, and some of you older people that have been around the Lord for, for, for a while, you know what I'm talking about. You had to stand on faith for it seemed like years and years. But see, this thing's wrapping up, and God's wrapping things up, so you're going to see what you say come to pass a lot sooner than what it used to be. Why? Because he's manifesting himself more. So change how you think, change how you, what you say, and you'll see a greater, a greater flow of the anointing in your life. Greater increase. Hallelujah. So your faith will be spoken of throughout the whole earth.
Glory to God. And you say, well, is people in China going to know? Well, you know, they may know about your faith over there, but you know what? In order for them to find out, you've got to affect your, you've got to affect your hometown first. I'm telling you, you you we, uh, you make an effect here in, in Boonville, Indiana, or wherever you're from. All right, it'll spread like wildfire. It'll spread, and and soon because you know, there's people that we know that know other people that know other people that know other people that. After, I can't remember what the thing is. It's like twenty or twenty-five people. You go twenty-five people that you know, and pretty much you know everybody all over the world. Because some of those people know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, that knows somebody and just spread like wildfire. Uh, especially today. I mean, we've got internet. You've got testings. Hallelujah. Chris was telling me about some of our messages where they go. They go all different places in the, in the world. People from Africa. I, I don't personally know anybody over there, but I, you know somebody does. Somebody, you know, is, is, we've got Europe, Denmark, I think was, was, was another one of them. But see, all that, those things are, are coming to pass because God's quickening things. God's quickening things. All right. Open your Bible to um, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we kind of get the, the title of today's message. Deuteronomy 11. That's in the Old Testament. And really what he says here still tr holds true for today. Deuteronomy 11, I want to read a few verses, three or four verses from there, and that kind of where we'll start off from today. Look at verse 18. It says, Therefore shall you lay up these, my words, this is the Lord speaking, in your heart and in your soul, and you bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, you take that word of God, the word of God, and, and put it before you put it in your mind, you put it in your hand. God was telling them, write it in your hand, so that what you're constantly seeing it. You're constantly seeing it. You know, you've got devices now that you can you can do things like you can put the word of God on your device so that every time you open your phone up, there it is right there. What are you doing? You're doing just what he said here. He said, verse 19, and you shall teach them your children. Speaking of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So you need, that, you need to go to sleep with the word of God on your mind. You need to wake up with the word of God on your mind. Glory to God. See? So what are you doing? You're, change, you're changing how you think, how you process. You know, if you've been paying attention, the Lord is speaking to us because he was preparing us for 2024 talking about praise and worship, by worshiping him, by talking about taking authority over your mind, letting your mind lead you, but letting the Spirit of God lead you, by your spirit, not by your head. Amen? So he's, what's he doing? He's preparing our faith so that 2024, your faith can be spoken of throughout the, the whole earth. Now let's go on here. He says in verse 20, And you shall write them upon the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. Verse 21, here's the reason. That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them, 
as the days of heaven upon the earth. Days of heaven upon the earth. See, God's will for us is to experience heaven on earth. How's he going to do that? Well, you've got to keep the, you've got to keep, keep the word out in front of you. Keep the word out in front of you, and what will happen is you'll start seeing heaven produce in your life. You, know, you hear people all the time come up and say, you know, they'll say, well, I don't understand why things aren't working out for me. I've got this going on, and i got that. Because the problem is most of the t- people, I'm not talking about you, but most Christians, what they're doing is they're focusing on the problem rather than the answer. If you focus on the problem, your problem is just going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, if you think about it. So what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to change how you think. Change how you think. Because when you change how you think and bring it into a line with the Word, you will change your atmosphere in your life, in your home, at your work, everywhere you go. People will see you differently. You know, we all want to be appreciated. But see, you can't wait for somebody else to change how they see you before you walk in appreciation because you have to appreciate the things of God. First, if you don't appreciate the things of God, it's not going to manifest in your life. You know, I remember talking about, about focus. Uh, the Lord was bringing this up to me as I was driving here this morning. I'm going to take my jacket off. It's getting a little warm. Um, a story about Smith Wigglesworth. Now, if you don't know anything about Smith Wigglesworth, I would, I would uh, strongly encourage you to get his book, which you can get them on Amazon for like 10 bucks uh, around there if you get them used. Incre- Ever-Increasing Faith. Powerful book. But in one of his books, and I've got his sermon notes and things like that, uh, Smith Wigglesworth had over, it's been documented, over 23 people raised from the dead in his ministry. 23 people raised from the dead. Now see, that may sound strange to you because well, well, you, you're not used accustomed to anybody talking about stuff like that. But see, if you go back to Jesus' word, he said to go out, preach the gospel, raise the dead, heal the sick. But see, you don't hear to our churches talking about raising the dead. Why? Because you think it's you. No, it's not you. As we talked about this, who's your, whose faith do you have? You, you don't, you've got Jesus' faith. You don't have your own faith. So see, I can use his faith to do the same things that he did. I can, well, I've got the faith to raise people from the dead. Why? Because it's not my faith, it's his. So you have to change how you view things and how you see things. Anything, anyway, I was talking about Smith Wigglesworth. He was called to this house. This woman was, was um, in the throes of death. And she's dying. And the local church community was there and they'd been praying. And they, they had like prayer vigils where they were, they were just day and night around her bed praying for her, for the Lord to heal her. And so they asked Wigglesworth to come over and pray. So he comes over and he goes upstairs to her bedroom and he goes in there and he says, now just listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say the name of Jesus. And he started doing that. He said, Jesus. 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 
And he didn't say it for very long, and everybody was chimed in and started saying it with him. That within a few moments, this woman opened her eyes and she got up out of bed and she was healed. Now, the people that were there praying, they asked and said, well, we don't understand. Why is it? We've been interceding all this time. We didn't see any change, but when you come in and you pray, all you just said the name of Jesus, she gets healed. And he told them, he said, that's because when you prayed, you was looking at the problem. When I prayed, I was looking at Jesus. See, that's what happens a lot of times when people pray. They think they're praying, and what they're doing is they're actually praying the problem. Focus on that. Well, you're not going to have days of heaven on earth doing that. Focusing and magnifying your problem. You've got to magnify the answer. And you've got to look to the one that has the answer, which is Jesus. And when you do that, you'll experience days of heaven on earth. What's days of heaven on earth? Well, think about it. In heaven, there's no sickness. There's no loneliness in heaven. There's, there's no lack. Heaven, they're having a good time. If you've got loved ones that are in heaven and you know they're in there, I, I, I'm guaranteeing you, they, they may be praying for you here, but they are not grieving because they miss you. They're enjoying themselves. They're literally enjoying themselves, doing things. Heaven's not going to be a boring place. So you've got to change your mindset on what you think heaven is. I remember years ago when my wife and I, we, we used to be in foster care, and I had, we had this one foster boy who was talking about Jesus coming back to him, and he said, well, he said, I don't want Jesus to come back right now. He said, I'm just, you know, I'm a teenager, and I, I want to have a family. You know, I want to have a wife, and I want to have kids and raise them and all that. So I don't want Jesus to come back now. See, what he had is he didn't have a revelation that you have a family in heaven. Your children that you don't have here on earth are waiting for you in heaven. Every one of them. That's the revelation you've got to get. Because God had a plan for your life. And part of that plan was children. So when you get to heaven, if, whether you had a child that died young or at childbirth or, or even in the womb, that child's in heaven. But also, also, there was children that God had planned for you for your life that you never had because of different circumstances. Guess what? When you get there, you'll have them. Now, Here's one thing. I'm, I'm just going by the Spirit. Is that okay? Amen. <laughs> I don't know why I make notes. <laughs> I don't know why I make notes. <laughs> you got children in heaven, you, put, you better put a name on them. If you had a child and you lost in the womb, you better put a name on them. Pray about it. I mean, I'm, I realize there's times that some people, they get pregnant, don't even know they're pregnant, lose the child, don't, they didn't even know it. I'm not talking about that. I mean, there's, there's going to be that, but you can ask the Lord to show you. And he, and he can show you. But you need to take the ones that you've lost, put a, give them a name. Just don't think of someone that you lost, but give them, give them a name. 
little Sally or little Billy. Well, I've got news for you. They're waiting there for you. And when you get there, even if it's 75 years down the road, if the Lord should tarry, which I don't think he's going to, but if 75 years from now, you know, you're an old person and you die and you go to heaven, that child's still going to be the same age they were when they were here. You know, if it was three months in the womb, well, it's going to be a three-month-old, but the only difference is that three-month-old baby is going to be able to talk and communicate to you. You'll still get to raise them. <laughs> See, with God, nothing's impossible. And that's how you have to change how you're thinking. With God, nothing is impossible. So if God will do that for you, what won't, what, what won't he do? There's nothing. You just have to change how you see things. Quit focusing on the here and now. Quit focusing on the here and now. Because God's got things for you. Get in faith. Days of heaven on earth. Go to Galatians chapter 3. We'll look at another scripture here. Galatians 3. Or is there any other place you want to go? I'm open. I don't... <laughs> we'll make some, some changes here. In Galatians chapter 3... Now, I don't know your, your church back, many of your church backgrounds or anything like that, what you've been taught or what you've been, go by the word of God. We're not going to go by just what you've been taught. Well, now, if you've been taught by the, by the word, that's great. It'll line up. But see, a lot of things have been, been taught by the traditions of men, and it didn't <laughs> get you messed up. Because this scripture here you're about to look at is going to change how you look at things. Galatians 3, you there? Now, look at one verse here. And we're really just going to look at the first part of the verse, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse. What did the word say? Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Now that word redeemed, it means bought back, paid for, purchased. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. So, and I see a lot of famous ministers even talking about this stuff, and I'm like, read your Bible. Let's start talking about generational curses. I'm sorry, but you don't have a generational curse. Oh, yeah, we do, because the same thing happened to me. It happened to my grandfather and my great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather, blah, 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 blah. Listen! You've been redeemed from the curse. Well, then how come, Pastor, that it has affected me? It's affected my, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. Oh, come on. Have you ever heard of familiar spirits? Okay, so familiar spirits are demonic spirits that follow you around. You're not going to get away from them. They just follow you around. Just like you've got an angel from heaven that, that, that goes with you everywhere. There's demonic spirits that follow people around. They're taking notes. They're taking notes on you. They know more about you than you, than, than you probably know about you. They know your patterns. They know your history. They know your family's history. 
So if, if let's say, heart ailments run in your family, well, the reason why they run in your family is because they've helped convince every generation that heart problems run in your family. Why? Because my people are destroyed for two reasons, a lack of knowledge and rejecting it. So how, how does that operate then if, if, if it runs in my family? Well, it's real simple because all the demon has to do is get you convinced that heart ailments run in your family, therefore it's going to run in you. No, I've been redeemed from the curse because Jesus was made a curse for me. Now, we're here at the end of the service, we're, we're going to uh, partake of uh, communion just you know, for the end of the year and the beginning of, the, of next year. But what's in the past stays in the past. God's not in your past. He's in your present and he's in the future. That's where you're going to find him. He's not, you're going to find him in your past. That's over with. You've been redeemed from all that. So you're going to have to change how you think, especially when there's other Christians telling us there's generational curses and we've got to break those generational curses off of you. Paul said it this way, many are sick in the body of Christ. Many are weak and many have died because they didn't discern the Lord's body. They went around thinking generational curses were real. Well, in a sense, they might be, but not in the sense you're thinking of. That curse can't come on you unless you lot it. Matter of fact, I don't know what it said. I think it's in Proverbs. It says, the curse causeless shall not come. Yeah. The curse causeless shall not come. A curse can't get on you unless there's a reason why it's getting on you. Now, there was a famous woman, wife of a minister, that she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And uh, she went to the Word of God and started using the Word of God and speaking the Word of God, believing God for healing. Because pancreatic, I don't know if you know, but pancreatic cancer, there's no cure for it. People usually die within a short period of time. Well, she's laying in bed there, and she's laying in bed thinking, you know, a sick woman over lay in bed. So she'd get out of her bed. She said there's days she got out of bed, she crawled on the floor to, to do what? To clean her house. Because a sick woman, a, 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 a healthy woman cleans her house. So she's, she's crawling on the floor throughout her house, cleaning it. Was that a struggle? Oh, yeah, that's a struggle. She's dying. But she kept, what's she doing? She's using her faith. She's keeping the light switch of faith turned on. Well, it wasn't all that long. The Lord healed her. The healing manifested. The pancreatic cancer stopped in her body. She started getting better. But then later on, she's, she's telling everybody about all that process. It's a long process. I'm just kind of giving you the short version. She said she didn't understand how she got cancer. Because for years, she said she prayed against getting cancer. Uh-oh. Is that faith, really? No, it's not. It's not faith. You don't need faith to pray against, you know, if you, because really what that is is fear. You've got a fear of cancer, so you've got to pray against it. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Power, love, and sound mind. Right? So you, you, don't, you don't pray against things from happening. That, you, that really fear is trying to tell you. See, that's how the devil works. He'll put something in you thinking, you, well, you, you better pray about this because it might try to get you. 
The COVID might try to get on. No, no, the COVID didn't get on me. It didn't get on me. I'm not going to stand for that. Remember, I got the faith of Jesus. You got the faith of Jesus. So you should just take, take your faith and use it. Now, God's not against medication. Use medicine. You know, I remember years ago, when we, well, we weren't in the ministry, but they, this was when we were in a denominational church. And uh, we were growing quickly in the Lord. The things we, uh, I had a real hunger for the things of God. So I was beginning to learn about faith. And one of the guys that we went to church with, he, 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 he was getting around us, and he said, you know, man, I want to learn about this stuff too. And, well, that's, that's great, yeah. And uh, talked about faith, and, and uh, he said, you know, I'm a diabetic, so I take my medication. He said, I'm just going to believe the Lord to heal me of, of diabetes. So we were right, yeah, use your faith. Believe, believe God. Now, see, there's some wisdom in how to do that. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way. He chose the wrong way. One day, he just quit taking his medication. Well, he went up in the hospital and almost died. Why? Because he hadn't heard from heaven. Now, it's available that by his stripes you're healed, and God can deliver you from, from whatever. But see, the one thing about medication is, is especially like diabetic medication, if you get healed of diabetes and you take your medication, you're going to know. That medication is going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going the other way. So then you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have diabetes anymore. Quit taking the medication. That's how it's done. You don't, you're, you don't, you don't quit taking medication that you've been taking that's helping you stay alive because well, your faith's not there. You've got to know the measure of faith that you're at. And if you're not at the point where you can step away and really your, your, your communication with heaven, the Father will tell you. If the Father tells you to take, quit taking your medication, that's, that's one thing. But if he hasn't said anything about it, you, don't, you don't quit taking medication. You get yourself in trouble. So we've been redeemed from the curse. Amen? We've been redeemed from it. So the curse can't, can't get on me unless what? I leave an open door. If I leave an open door, then the curse can come in and attack me. That's why we, we should live a lifestyle that is a, a lifestyle of praise and worship for, for heaven. Because when you worship heaven, when you worship the Lord, when you worship the Father, your worship acts like a fertilizer on your heart. It fertilizes your heart. You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we worship the Father, it actually fertilizes our heart so that what we're believing God for starts growing and growing rapidly. It changes everything. That's why the Lord had me taught, teach on the last half of the year, and really throughout the year, about worship, the importance of worship. I hope a lot of you are starting to advance in that. Maybe you're not where somebody else is. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare yourself to me. God will work with you. 
I don't care if you're a brand new beginner. It doesn't matter. God will work with you. That's how he operates. But just continue to grow. Continue to spend time in worshiping him. As we worship the Lord. Here, I want to do this. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. And um, years ago, the Lord Jesus appeared to um, Dr. Dufresne. And the Lord told Dr. Dufresne, he said, 97% of my people are living below what I have for them on earth. 97% of Christians live below what God has for us on earth. The more I walk with the Lord, I kind of suspect it might be a little higher than that. But then the Lord showed me the scripture here, Jesus is teaching. And we're going to look at that in Matthew 13. Let's pick it up uh, in verse 15. Jesus says, for this people's heart is waxed grows. Now he's talking about believers. He says, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and they should understand with their heart, and they should be converted, and I should heal them. Uh-oh. So see, you, you can be sitting right here hearing the word preached, but see, you're not really hearing with your ear. Oh, you heard, you got a sound coming in there, and you're hearing it. But you're not hearing it with your spirit. You're not hearing it as in, the, in the sense of giving attention to it. Well, how, Pastor, how do I give attention to the word so that I hear it and I hear it in my spirit? You spend time worshiping. Worship is the key. Remember we talked about that last week? Jesus said the Father seeks those that are the true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. What's it mean? A person that worships the Father in spirit and in truth is led by the Holy Spirit. They're led by the Holy Spirit. Completely. That's why only 97% of the people, they're not walking in everything that God has for them here on earth. Normal Hayes, the Lord told him, he said, basically my people love me. Basically. But they're broke, they're sick, and they're dying early. Because they don't worship me long enough. Think about that. What does basic worship get you? Sick? Broke? And, and you die early. You know, imagine this. If you went and got a job, and, you, and your employer came to you after a month, and you said, well, boss, how am I doing? He said, well, basically you're doing okay. You think you got a long life there at that place? Probably not. If he says, basically, you're doing okay. That means there's a lot of problems we need to talk about, but I'm not going to talk to him about every single one of them right now. See, you've you got to be open for correction, too. Most people are not open for correction. They're, they're not. 97% of the Christians that, are, that fall into that category, they're not open for correction. They don't want to hear it. Because that's how they've been taught. They're doing what they've been taught. It doesn't matter what you've been taught if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. 
as I've said before, in order for something to be scriptural, you have to have scripture. Just because you think something about God and how he operates doesn't mean it's true because that's how you think. You better have scripture to back it up. I mean, the Holy Ghost will never tell you something that contradicts the Word of God. He, won't, he doesn't operate that way. He doesn't. In order to have days of heaven on earth, we've got to follow heaven. Let's go on here. He says, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. And they have not seen them. And they hear those things which you hear. And they didn't hear them. Verse 18. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. And understands it not. Well they're hearing it. But they just. It's, they're not hearing it with their spirit. Then cometh the wicked one. And catches away that which was sown in their heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that hears the word, and again with joy he receives it, yet he doesn't have root in himself. He's not planted anywhere. But he's kind of over here one time and over there another time. He, he, you know, the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord, of the Lord shall flourish. So this guy here, he's not planted anywhere. So he doesn't have any root. It says, yet he has no root in himself, but, but doeth for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. And he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, which also beareth forth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now there's four different types of ground there, right? Three of the types of ground produce nothing. That's just the number right there, 75%. Just by that alone. But then the good ground is here, you know, he says, but he that receives the seed into good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, in which also he, he bears fruit. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. How many people have you ever seen produce a hundredfold return? I don't know of anybody. I'm sure they're out there. I'm not saying they're not. But I was talking to Pastor Mark the other day. I had lunch with him. And uh, we both kind of agreed that most people that actually produce fruit are more of the 30-fold variety than even the 60. But Jesus said 100-fold, 60, and 30-fold. What do you got to do to be in that fold? You don't have to spend time in worship. As Brother Travis was talking about earlier, your heart is not on material things. Your treasure is not on earth. Your treasure is on things of the Spirit. 
That's where your treasure is. And see, as you spend time in worshiping him and praising the Lord and, 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 and paying attention to him, that doesn't mean you've got to walk around with the Bible in your hand all day long and look at the scripture and say, well, boss, I'd like to do my job, but I've got to read the Bible. No, no, no. You just need one verse that you can meditate on in your head. You know, a real simple one for everybody is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't have to, I don't have to say the whole thing. I can just say that part and talk to the Father about that. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I don't want anything. Well, but pastor, if I say that, that means I'll never get what I want. No, it, what it means is he will give you the desires of your heart. You'll have them. What he's saying is what you want, you'll you, you get. Because why? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want anything. He supplies it for me. Whatever it may be, whether it's health that I need, maybe it's a better job, maybe it's um, more peace, maybe it's guidance, maybe it's a relationship thing that you need a relationship, the right kind of relationship, where the Lord's the one that's going to supply it. Now the devil's going to try to give you a hot dog to keep you away from the prime rib in relationships. So guess what? The devil's going to bring out 30 or 40 of his people to shove in your path so that you think, well, this might be my last chance. And if I don't take this person, I'll never be happy. No, you take that person, you definitely ain't going to be happy. You got a hot dog. Why? Because you didn't recognize that God won. He's got the prime rib. Or whatever your favorite cut of steak is. I use prime rib. I like prime rib. Matter of fact, my wife and I were out at dinner here about three or four years ago and we ordered some prime rib she'd never had before. She said, no wonder you keep talking about prime rib. I said, I told you it's good. It's good. Now, I don't have prime rib all the time, but I'll have it again. But God's trying to get the prime rib to you. You see, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to be... You're going to have to worship him, spend time with him. All right? Because when you do that, then you fall into this category down here of the hundred, sixty, and thirty-fold. Can there be a hundredfold? Yes. But I want to tell you right now, a hundredfold person is a person that always, 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 always does what the Holy Ghost says. They're not led by their flesh at all. They, they don't use flesh to control situations. This is what has happened in marriages. There's a difference between relationship, because you may be related because you're married. But the Bible doesn't talk about relationship, it talks about fellowship. Right? Fellowship is the key. The fellowship with heaven. How you receive from heaven determines how God responds to you. If you come to church, and when you hear the word of God preach, you've got more, you're more busy looking on your phone and see what's going on on Facebook and social media and all that, than you are heaven, you're not going to receive very much at all, if anything, from heaven. You're going to be unimpressed. And you're going to walk away and say, yeah, that's not just not really for me. No, it's not for you because you're not ready. 
know what? Jesus said in the, in the word of God, he said, no man comes to me unless the Father calls him. Yeah, he said that. Nobody comes to the Father or Jesus except the Father calls him. Well, Pastor, I thought the Bible said it was God's will for everyone to be saved. It is. But God's not even going to put the call into your life till you're at least open to the things of heaven. A little bit. That's why you have a witness to somebody and you're like, I, don't, I want nothing to do with this. Well, that's okay. Keep witnessing to people like that. That's fine. Because what you're doing is you're just, you're sending things that are softening their heart. And some people need a lot of softening before they actually get to that point like, Lord, show me something. All right, now, now they'll get an invitation. Now the Father will call them. But until that happens, it's just like stone cold. But it's God's will for everybody to get saved. So how, how you get there to that hundredfold is you're open to heaven. You're listening to the Holy Ghost. You, you have a relationship. You have fellowship with the Father. Remember, I read this last week, I think it was. But let me go there again. Uh, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to have to put my glasses back on. This Bible is really small print. Okay. He says this in verse 3. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you, so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this is the fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ the Messiah. A distinguishing mark of a believer is they have fellowship with the Father and with his Son. <coughs> Notice it didn't say they follow him. It says they have fellowship. What's fellowship? It's an interchange. It's an exchange. Both ways. You take correction. All right, the Lord gives you correction. You receive it. You listen to it. You say, hey, I'm, I, I, yeah, I see where I should, I'm, I'm messing that up. I'm at the change, Father. But here's what happens. We're so focused. When you're focused in your flesh, you're more focused on the relationship. And you wonder why you don't have fellowship. You want fellowship, but you see you're so focused on relationship, you don't have fellowship. And here's what happens. You've got a, a, a husband and a wife or a spouse. You ever get into what they call um, intense fellowship? You know what I'm talking about? You have, exchange, have an exchange of words. All right? And it kind of builds up some things and one gets mad at the other. And then after a while, one of the spouses comes up to the other one and says, you know, tries to put their arm around you. And the other one says, I'm not done yet. Some of you are laughing because you've got experience with it. You know what I'm talking about. So there's not going to be fellowship. Not until that spouse gets over the issue at hand and just buries it. 
You're going to stop fellowship. All you're going to have is a relationship. And a relationship will not make you happy. It's not going to. I'm reminded of King David. Remember King David? He had this one wife, uh, Michael. And uh, for all indications in the Bible, they didn't have any fellowship at all. Why? Because David loved God. And David would dance through the streets. He didn't care. And he'd show, be showing things that his wife got upset about, and that made her mad. Because when he worshipped God, he just was all out and worshipped. And it made her uncomfortable. It really a spirit of Jezebel is what it is. It's controlling. And a guy can do it too. If you always got to be in control, you'll never experience fellowship. And the Bible says that Michael never had any children. Why? All she had was a relationship. She didn't have fellowship. Why? Because she would all she was always led by what she felt was right and wrong. Well, you know what? God doesn't go by what you feel is right and wrong. As a matter of fact, when you read the word and you do what the word of God says, the word of God will have you do things that you don't like. God may tell you to go to your, to your enemy and tell him you forgive him. Well, I'm not even the one who started it. They're the ones that He don't care. He don't care. He doesn't want to hear your excuses. He's telling you how to correct some things in your life. And you're thinking about who's at fault here. He already knows who's at fault. It's not about who's at fault. It's about days of heaven on earth. You want days of heaven on earth. See, God the Father is trying to get days of heaven on earth in your life. And you're resisting because you're resisting the things of the Spirit because you're trying to run everything through your brain. That's why God will never speak to you in your mind. Because it's the devil's playground. Until you yield your, your brain to the Spirit, your brain will always try to control your spirit. It will. That's why in Romans it says, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. How do you get your brain not in control? You renew your mind to the Word of God. You renew your mind to the Word of God. How do we do that? Well, we're going to do that here in just a minute. Brother, you want to pass out the, the elements? We're going to take a communion. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what the Word of God says. We're going to be led by the Spirit of God. Because, see, that's the flow, is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit of God means you listening to the Holy Spirit in your spirit. You're no longer walking after the flesh. Now, I feel fairly confident that everybody in here struggles with the things of the flesh. Is there anybody here that can raise their hand and say, oh, I, 
I don't have problems listening to my flesh at all. I always go by my spirit. Anybody here? Because if you are, then you're going to be preaching up here because uh, I don't always listen to the spirit of God. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. How do you work on it? You talk to the Lord about it. You say, Lord, I, I, I know I miss you. I've done some things and said some things and, I, and I've held on to some things I should never have held on to. You don't always have to be in control. Matter of fact, see, if you're going to be led by the, the Spirit of God, you are not going to be in control. Right. What did Jesus say? He said the least of these in heaven are what? They're servants. They're servants. You and I are a servant. And see, in the United States, we have a negative feeling about servanthood, but ser servanthood is very, very holy. Servanthood is what gets you in worship and keeps you in worship because why? When the servanthood is flowing in your life and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, everything in your life or anything that you have in the past said or did when it comes up, the Spirit says, don't do that. Repent. And guess what happens when you repent? Oh, you just, you just put a a boots a hiney whipping on your brain. Because I don't know about you, but when I have to go to repent to somebody, I say, you know, brother, I was wrong. I should never have done that to you. My flesh is not jumping up and down for joy. My spirit's saying, you, know, you don't want to experience that ever again, do you? You don't ever want to have to go to a person and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, even when they're right. You don't want to have to do that. What are you doing? You're, being, you're having your mind transformed. Because if you have your mind conformed to the world's way, what's the world do? They deserved it. Right? They deserve, they're the ones that started it. I'm, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. They're the ones that's, that's the world's way. God's way is what? Forgive me, brother. I shouldn't have done that to you. What do I do at the same time? The Bible says I heap coals on him. Because, you know, now he's going to realize one day he's going to go, he's going to go home and sit and think, well, you know, I'm really the one that started this. How long will that take? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what happens in the realm of the Spirit. They start thinking. They're the ones. They, and they know. They, they know they're the ones that started it. But see, that never takes effect if you're always in control. If you're always in control of your flesh, you know, I'm not going to go apologize. I'm not going to admit that I said things and acted the way I shouldn't. God's just going to take his hand off the situation. It's going to affect your life. Because it's going to affect your fellowship. Now, as we take these elements, all right, let me peel back there. Yeah, I'm on the wrong one, aren't I? The wrong side. Pull it all the way up and then I'll break the seal for both. Yeah, you say that. Listen to me. Here it goes. Yeah, there it goes. I, I think it's... Well, no, it's not. Here you go. 
Am I on the wrong end? Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's just do this right where you're at. Let us make this confession. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. I ask for forgiveness in the many times this past year that I missed you, that I disobeyed you, that I wasn't where you wanted me to be, and I receive your forgiveness. It's now in the past. It's not in my future. I purpose in my spirit to not only be a hearer of the word, but I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to be of the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Jesus said, as, as often as we do this, do what? Partake of these elements. He said, you do this in remembrance of me. Brother Hagin said this about communion. He said the Lord told him, appeared to, before him. And Brother Hagin had probably the most appearances by Jesus, actually in the Spirit appearing to him, than anybody I know. I mean, many, many times. But in one of those instances, Jesus told him, he said, tell my people that they are no closer to me than when they partake of communion. That is the closest you are to, the, to Jesus when we partake of communion. He said that when we partake of this, we do it in remembrance of him. Now Paul went on to say many people are, are sick and all that, and they die young because they don't discern the Lord's body. They don't discern what this means. Now, this bread here, Jesus said he broke it and he gave it and he said, take, eat of this. This is my flesh. So th this does not represent his, it is his flesh. Now, it doesn't become his flesh like some churches teach. No, it's his, his flesh by faith. He said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me and I don't have any part in you. So the, the very quali qualities that's in Jesus when we partake of communion becomes part of us. And right now, you all know where Jesus is at? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Did you know in Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's verse 6, it says this, maybe it's 4, verse 6, I, I, think, I, was, I think it's 4, verse 6, yeah. That that the Father, by His grace and His mercy, He seated us together with Christ. So the next time you tell somebody, oh, I can't do two things in one hour, you are. You're here on earth, and right now you're seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. You're in two places at once. Think about that. So when we partake of this, the body, it is his body, the juice. It is his blood. It becomes part of us. What did the body do for you? Well, by his stripes you're healed. It says he became poor that you might be what? Rich? And that's not just financial. It means rich in everything. Rich in understanding, rich in peace, rich in clarity. 
you're strong, you're healthy. Then the blood, what does the blood do? The blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Completely. So when the Father looks at you and he looks at me, what does he see? He sees the blood of Jesus. That's what he sees. That's why we can boldly go to the throne of grace, whereas in the Old Testament, they couldn't get in God's presence. They die because of sin. But we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We can stand in his presence. We can boldly go to the throne of grace and obtain what we need. So as you partake of this bread, we do that by faith. Then the juice, which is his blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you, Father, that we have part in you. And you have part in us. Because you said so. Unless we eat of your flesh and drink of your blood, we don't have any part in you. Well, we just did. So we have part in you and you have part in us. So everything that's in Christ is in us. Healing. Peace. Finances. Your future. What it said in Colossians, I believe it's in Colossians, it talks about, it says, you are dead, you are now dead. I think it's Colossians 3, like verse 5, 6, somewhere in there. It says, you are now dead and your future is hidden in Christ. You, I don't know. It says your life is hid in Christ. Your life is hid. Well, well, you mean there might be something else the Father has? Yeah. Your life is hid in Christ. So guess what? The more that you spend with Him, He's going to reveal the things He has for you in your life. No matter where, who you are, I know I'm probably speaking to, to many people here today in the, concerning this. It's not over. Don't you dare go into this year or, and even during next year and think, why don't I have? You do have. You do have. God has a life for you, and it's a good one. It's not a bad one. If it's a job you're looking for, a perfect job, he's got it. Amen. If it's healing you, he's got it. Amen. And you've got to keep that light switch of faith turned on. How will you do that? You'll spend time worshiping him. You'll spend time worshiping him, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and lead you and guide you into all truth. I seen this in the Spirit the other day. Brother, sister, stand up. Stand up. Put your hands together. <clears throat> 